What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online, and we're going to do a couple things on this pod. We're going to go through a bunch of the Celtics coaching candidates. We're going to draft them and just kind of talk about what we know about them and what we think, why we think they might be good or bad or, you know, in the conversation or whatever it might be. But first, we just figured we'd uh, kind of go through some leftover thoughts. I mean, we've all had some time to kind of process the fact that Danny Ainge is no longer the president of basketball operations and uh, Brad Stevens is no longer the coach. So what I what are some of your just kind of leftover thoughts here? Uh, what, three days removed from the uh, the sledgehammer coming down right after the season? One, I do think it's kind of funny. Like we would talk to Brad around free agency or the draft and we would ask him sort of like, what type of personnel moves do you think the team should do? Or like, what would he do if he were in that position? He would always give us, oh, you know, that's above my pay grade. Like, you know, I let Danny in the front office handle that type of stuff. But then now that he's been hired as the GM, you see Wick Grosbeck being like, oh no, Brad in the front office have been working hand in hand for the past eight years. And like, this is a very natural transition. We all rolled our eyes so hard that we almost like cracked our eyebrows off. Like we knew Brad was involved in this. Like I think that Wick's accounting is probably a lot more truthful than Brad's was. Like we all we all knew Brad was involved in this stuff. So I will say that I, I believe Wick way more than I believed Brad at the time. No, for sure. I mean, Brad was the type of coach that would lie to us about medical updates, <laughs> yeah. just saying that he had no clue when he definitely knew what was going on. Brad so. would tell us that he like hadn't asked about like Jason Tatum's ankle or something like that. And we're like, oh, really, Brad, you didn't ask. Okay. <laughs> this is going to change so much of how much we actually know behind the scenes, because sometimes Danny Ainge would go on the radio or have a media availability with beat reporters and he just like so off the cuff, just kind of lets things fly. Brad is the complete opposite. We're not going to know a thing. Brad Stevens is so like close to the vest, close to the chest. Like, I just don't see us finding a whole lot of information from general manager Brad Stevens. He's not going to give us a thing. Good luck to Toucher and Rich. They had a great run as uh, <laughs> like newsbreakers every Thursday morning, but I don't know how much that's going to happen with uh, with Brad. Yeah, and like Danny would always have a good time with it too. Like I remember after Magic Johnson resigned, his first media availability, which is completely unrelated to Magic's resignation, he was like, I'm here to announce I am resigning. <laughs> and like, <laughs> obviously that went viral. Whereas Brad's just clearly not going to take that same approach, I feel. Brad would praise Magic for his tremendous work in the front office, glowingly talk about his work as an executive, and then move on to very serious matters. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a bummer, too. I mean, we talk about this sometimes with Tatum, but Brad just has such a dry sense of humor for every understandable reason. He's not like that around the media, and uh, I don't anticipate that changing now that he has the responsibility of running one of the biggest franchises in professional sports. It will be interesting to see if like the number of leaks go down because it always seemed like the Celtics were involved. And I don't know if that was agents or Danny or people just making it up, but I am curious to see how the leaks do change. I definitely think the leaks are other teams or agents leaking on behalf of the Celtics saying, oh, the Celtics did this. So I don't think the Celtics are ever the leakers. They just get thrown into it and it makes it seem like they are. But do you think that other teams will still use the Celtics now that they've sort of changed hands and like the reputation of Danny may be gone? That's a good question. I don't know. It's That's a, a good question. It, it could. I mean, it's a it's a bigger market team with a lot of like a willing ownership in terms of, well, at least to this point, a willing ownership. So I could see it continue, but that's a very, that'll be a very interesting thing to look out for as the front office changes. Does the rumor mill change and the Celtics being used as pawns? Will that change? No doubt. Uh, what what other uh, leftovers do we have here? 
So my second one was actually brought up by our favorite podcast, the GOAT podcast, Greatest of All Talk. And Ben Golliver <laughs> posed this question. Okay, say Brad Stevens got fired this offseason or say he stepped away on his own from coaching. How many teams would be interested in hiring Brad as a GM? I think zero. I think that's a really hard question. Do you think it's zero because, because for any other reason other than nobody would have thought of it? Yeah, I think everyone was under the impression before this that he was going to be coaching for the next 20 plus years. Came into the league as like the boy genius. And now he was just going to coach all the way through because he's such a great coach. I, I I really don't know the answer to that, but I don't, don't think anyone would have had the idea. That question, in my opinion, just further reinforces like the risk here. Again, it like could totally be fine. And like, there are plenty of reasons why I can, the Celtics wanted to hire Brad. Like I can see all of that, but I do think that that question for me really like illuminated how much of a risk this is. And maybe we're a little bit not brainwashed, but like biased because like we've been covering Brad for however long. And like, we see how strong of a basketball mind he is. We see his passion for the game, but like in reality, being a GM is a totally different set of responsibilities. Sure. There's some overlap, but like, he's got to be able to like deal with agents and he's got to be able to sometimes mislead people. And I think Brad is capable of doing that. I do agree that he might be underestimated in how like cunning and competitive he is. But like, I think that just showed to me like how much of a risk this really is. And it's initial reactions. I think it would be really premature to be like, this was no brainer good move yeah I, I don't think you can evaluate this move yet at all like I don't think you can say it's good it's bad I think you can say it's risky I think that's fair like yeah everything you just said I think is accurate like you can say that it's risky you can say that there's a lot of reasons why it would work out you can say that like you understand why the Celtics did it from an organizational perspective and how much they like Brad and how you know how much they trust him and also you can say that we don't know if Brad can deceive people like like a like a good GM can like I think all of those things are fair I just don't think you certainly can't call it a home run you can't call it a strikeout it's kind of like a, a draft in a way where it's like you can't really evaluate it until a couple of years later I don't think we're really gonna know how good a move this was until like 2023 and yeah this is all right the more I think about it the more I am just completely stunned by this but like... yeah I, I genuinely am but I think when you the more I look at the Brad hire or the Brad promotion I guess as they're framing it for the current state that the Celtics are in it makes sense to me I really think it's actually a pretty good move. If we're going to have to judge it right now, before he makes any moves and before we find out if he's actually a good executive or not, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like it's very easy to just make any call at the moment because he hasn't done a damn thing. But but I just think with the road the Celtics have in front of them for the next six to 10 months, it makes sense to have some level of continuity, but you can have the element of change by having Brad step up and you're not just having Mike Zarin or Austin Ainge step in. Like, I don't know, as these days have gone on, more and more I felt like this is actually kind of a smart move for the Celtics, in addition to being a really good PR move to just put the shit season behind them it's going to be fascinating to evaluate everything that's coming because there are going to be a lot of I don't know if inflection points I mean the first one is obviously the coach but like he has the foundation and like the base for a successful team and if you just work a couple moves around the edges and hire a good coach maybe this team really can be a contender as soon as next season. But if he doesn't, then it's like very clearly his moves or his thought process was lacking because the foundation is so good, if that makes sense. It does. And that leads me to my kind of like takeaway, my lone takeaway thought, which is that like Brad didn't build this team. 
Like this was a Danny Ainge team that Brad coached. Like we don't know that this is exactly the type of team that Brad wants to uh, to have as, as you know his first season as president of basketball operations. Brad knows better than anyone how badly this like season went, and how, you know maybe how much better it could have gone, or what pieces might need to be shifted around. So you know, like just with that combination of things, I kind of wonder if there might be more shakeup to this core than people are necessarily expecting. Like, I wonder if we might get a little bit more this season, not like Brad's going to like go into like rebuild mode or something like that. But I do wonder if there could be some more, you know, kind of players moved because again, Danny built this team and Brad had to deal with it. Like this isn't the team that Brad chose to have. In Bill Parcells terminology, he never got to pick the groceries and now he does get to pick the groceries. So And I think that's appealing for a coach who knows exactly what he thinks this team needs. Like he's been on the bench with this personnel, with the core of this personnel for a couple of years now. So, you know, he has a damn good idea, at least in his mind, what this team needs and what this team needs to get rid of and whatever. I think Brad is definitely going to surprise the people who think that he's going to stand pat for the most part. He could surprise some people, make some legitimate moves just because he more than anyone probably has that really strong idea of what actually needs to happen with this team. And I think, It's going to be fascinating to see what happens with a coach who is suddenly in charge of moving around his personnel, which he's never had the full opportunity to do so. It's going to be kind of weird, honestly. And I think the coaching search will sort of give us, like, will be that first opportunity to inform us of what maybe his approach might be. Because I think if he promotes Jay Laranega or Jerome Allen, we're looking at a lot more of the same with the roster. Jeff T. Whereas if he goes elsewhere, something really outside of the box, maybe that speaks to what he's thinking in terms of players as well. 100%. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I guess last thing would just be that I think after this happened, which nobody really saw coming, you see Steve Clifford and the Magic have parted ways. You see Terry Stotts and, I mean, they lost, so it wasn't going to happen before Brad anyway, but like um, there was a report that initially the Blazers and Terry Stotts were going to take some time to reevaluate like the whole situation together, but Terry Stotts and his agent were like, no, just tell us now because we want to get moving on like other things. So I feel like once that first domino fell, now you see other positions opening up. You see other coaches getting let go and things like that. You would think, wouldn't you? Right. But, you know, Scott Brooks just hanging out. Scott Brooks having a great time. He's not no pressure on him. So still waiting for one team to follow the dominoes. But here we are. Terry Stotts was trying to get a jump on updating his LinkedIn page, and Scott Brooks is just kicking his feet up on his desk. That's going to stay his desk forever. The worst thing in the world. (laughs) Terrible. All right. Well, with that, Grenham, uh, do you want to kind of uh, lead us in with with our good friends over at Shades On? Yeah. So our Geno Time draft, of course, as Geno Time listeners know, is brought to you by our friends at Shades On Beer Company. They're in West Kingston, Rhode Island. That's the Shades On Beer Garden and Tasting Room. They're the makers of the Geno Time Stout. It's not going to be available until later on in the summer, but there's plenty of other delicious beers at Shades On at the Shades On Beer Garden in West Kingston. So it's going to take up the majority of the second half of this episode because we're going to go through coaching candidates, right? That's right. I don't know. Do we want to go? Let's go. Nicole Grenham, me. Uh, Nicole, who's your, uh, who's your number one pick for Celtics coach? So I'm going to take Sam Cassell based on what they said about Brad moving into the GM role. Like Danny was like, yeah, I think it's important for somebody to have experience coaching and like a good relationship with the coach and be able to like empathize there. 
So I wouldn't be surprised if they want to go former player route and have somebody with that type of experience be able to relate with the players. And so I think Sam Cassell, even if he weren't a former player, has a lot of coaching experience. He was an assistant with the Wizards for five years. Top assistant. And he, pretty good. Strung um, Randy Whitman along so he could keep his job for too long, just like Scott Brooks. <laughs> And then another six with the Clippers. So like he's also coached teams in summer league. So he has that type of experience as well. So I think he clearly has enough background and experience where someone like Chauncey Billups, this was his first season as an assistant. So that could be like a bit more of a jump. And he also is familiar with the organization because he was on the championship winning team. So I wouldn't be surprised if Wick and Pags co-sign that no problem. So I'm going to go with Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell would have been my top pick too. I think he's the best out of any former player candidate that's out there. I'm going to take the guy who I think is the best in the non-former player category. I'm going to take Lloyd Pierce, who I know a lot of Celtics fans aren't thrilled with. He doesn't seem like the popular fan pick at the moment, but I do think he's a good coach. I think he was in a tough spot in Atlanta for a while, and it seemed like he lost that locker room. I do just think he's a really good coach. I think he's got a really good relationship with Brad Stevens. I think he has short, but some experience coaching this core, and he's familiar with some of them. He has a good relationship with Jalen Brown from the from the FIBA World Cup in 2019. I just think Lloyd Pierce, if you don't go the former player route, is one of the best options out there. And I think he could do a lot with the personnel this team has. So I think he's a legitimately good candidate for this job. Yeah, I agree. I I agree that like Celtics fans don't seem like, you know, they're, they're pumped about him. But I think uh, I think the big thing that you touched on there is is the the relationship with some players on the Celtics roster already. Yeah. I, I think there would be a, a, a fair amount of benefit to this team to have somebody who can who can really relate and who just has like a, a good relationship already, which, you know, does kind of speak to maybe some of the assistants, which on that topic, I am going to with my first pick, uh, take Carol Lawson. You know, there's there's a bunch of things that I think are working for her. One, we know that the Celtics who worked with her loved her, right? Like, and and the Celtics all like as a team seem to like her quite a bit. But like, you talk to Marcus Smart, you talk to Carson Edwards about her, and like they they loved working with her. They were you know super impressed. Um, and I think yeah, I just think the the organizational ties. Um, and I think um, you know, not for nothing, like I, I do think the Celtics take some pride in you know seeing themselves as kind of trailblazers because they had you know the first black head coach, and I do think that there would be a pretty strong appetite for being the first team to hire you know a a woman to be a head coach as well I do wonder how she would feel about leaving Duke after one season in which they opted out yeah optics whatever like you can get over it and I'm sure everyone will understand like it's the Boston Celtics and it's a head coaching job in the NBA but I, I do think that she did take a lot of pride in that job the current job she has as Duke women's head coach and was hopeful about what she could accomplish in that role. So I wonder if there's anything there where she's like, because if you remember when she first joined the Celtics staff, she said that teams had called before, but she herself wasn't ready. Like it wasn't about the team or the situation, but like it just wasn't the time for her. So I wonder if that's also her approach with this job where it might just not be the time yet. I also think with Kara, there might be an element of loyalty to them and where she would like you said she would feel almost bad she just commit like brought in her first recruiting class she's just getting settled it would be a difficult spot for someone like Kara who seems to take pride in her relationships that she builds with her players and her fellow coaches and stuff so I definitely think that could be an obstacle if the Celtics do want to make a push for Kara Lawson which I think they would be foolish not to considering the relationship she has and the knowledge she has of this system and, and personnel I think it's kind of a no-brainer that she has to be a top candidate. 
I could see her not wanting to leave Duke, no matter the role, as a significant obstacle here. I agree. I do wonder too, like you know, Kara, when 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 to Nicole's point, when when she was saying all that stuff, she was saying that about assistant coaching jobs, which like mm-hmm. there's a lot of assistant coaching jobs, so you can kind of afford to be like, ah, oh, you know, it's just not my time to you know to, to be an assistant coach yet, but it's coming. Like those assistant coaching jobs, like like they're not a dime a dozen, but like if you're if you're like a really smart former player you'll be able to come up with a job. I remember a bunch of us just like chuckling about how big Brad's bench was getting like last year. Like he just has so many people back there. So yeah, I I do think that there is like, there's a big difference between assistant coaching and head coaching. If a head coaching job comes up, especially head coaching of the Celtics, I don't know that you can always just be like, eh, maybe it's not time yet. Even though I, I, I do think that's a good point. That being said, like, unless something goes awry in her tenure at Duke or with, like, USA Basketball, I do think her name will consistently be brought up with any head coaching search. So I'm sure she will have future opportunities. All right, so with my fourth pick, this is a tough one because I don't know which Celtics assistant coach would be better than any other Celtics assistant coach. Like, I don't know if Jerome would be better than Larinaga, would be better than Scott Morrison, would be better. You know, I I don't know. I'm going to go with um, Jerome Allen. I genuinely do not have strong opinions on like him versus, and I'm not just saying this because we cover these guys. I genuinely don't know and don't know what the difference would be, but, but I'll go with him just, you know, because he kind of seems to have the most, the most smoke behind his name at this stage. No, it is tough with Brad Stevens staff over the last couple of years. It's a relatively uniform set of assistants. Some staffs have a very clear top assistant and then the rest follow suit. Like, not really the case between Jay Laranega, Scott Morrison, Jerome Allen. I think they're all capable. Yeah, I don't think you go wrong between those three. Those three seem to be the top ones in my mind. Nothing against Scott Morrison. I don't think he's on the same tier as Jerome Allen and Jay Laranega. Yeah. But with Jerome and Jay, depending on how, I mean, if Scott Brooks gets fired, if Nate Bjorkin gets fired, depending on how other openings go across the league, I wouldn't be surprised if one or both of them are gone because I'm sure they're reading the writing on the wall too that like, I mean, Brad likes them. I'm sure Brad will do his best to take care of them, but they also probably are ready for a change because even if they are allowed to stay, it'll be different. So if they can run their own staff, I'm sure they will jump at that opportunity. We'll see if it's their time. Yeah, I mean, Jay Laranega was pretty damn close to getting that Charlotte Hornets job. He went down there for a couple interviews, and he was seriously in the mix right down to the finish line with Borrego. So I think they're both legitimate candidates, and yeah, you're going to see their names come up in other discussions too. With my second pick, I'm going to go the former player route, and I'll take Chauncey Billups. He would be second on my former player rankings. I would have Sam Cassell one, just because I think there's a little more stability with Sam Cassell considering his coaching track record. You get a guy like Chauncey Billups, whose leadership and ability to command a locker room is pretty much undeniable. With a with an assistant or with a, uh, a new coaching hire, you always look for sort of the buy-in factor, I guess you could say. Is this guy or girl going to be able to get the players to buy in right off the bat? I think Chauncey Billups has an undeniable resume in the NBA. I think the team would buy in right away. The only thing I'll say about Chauncey is that the the Blazers, uh, yesterday I think it was that uh, uh, Shams reported that the Blazers were um, increasingly expected to hire um, assistant Chauncey Billups or Lakers assistant Jason Kidd as the franchise's next head coach. And obviously Jason Kidd pulled his name out earlier today. We're recording this uh, Sunday evening. Be curious to see if if that process of elimination uh, takes Chauncey off the board here shortly. Yeah, totally. And I think a lot of Celtics fans wish that Jason Kidd would take his name off the board for the Celtics (laughs) list as well. He doesn't have to. They're not going to hire him. I don't see it either. Uh, Nicole, who's uh, who's your next pick? 
Okay, so this one is kind of a cop-out answer, but I'm going to go with just like a name that nobody has really been talking about, just because I think that Brad has a very deep Rolodex of coaching candidates. Like one of his favorite events of the entire year was this coaching summit that he would put together every Labor Day. And he would bring in like the MIT basketball coach, the Vanderbilt baseball coach, the Babson basketball coach, like his coach at DePaul when he was in college, and they would just talk about coaching. I think Brad has a very strong network. Like in Brad really was a coaching nerd. He was a coaching yeah. nerd. <laughs> Still is. Still is. And he would talk about this event like it was his favorite thing ever. So I, I think he's going to dig deep into his resources and consider people that aren't on the list right now. And I mean, Danny Ainge did that with Brad Stevens. Of course, he had some notoriety at that point because Butler had success in the tournament. But for him to make the jump at the time, it sort of was similar to this current jump for Brad. Like, oh, is this like, is he ready? Like, he's kind of young. He has no NBA experience. So I think I could see Brad feeling comfortable hiring somebody that he trusts and thinks would make for a good candidate, but maybe isn't on other people's radars yet. I think that's a really good bet. When we used to go into practices at the conclusion of practices, there's a elevated walkway with like bikes and a couple treadmills and stuff that looks over the court. And every single practice without fail, there would be Someone sitting up there, sometimes talking with a Celtics front office employee, sometimes not, sometimes speaking with an assistant coach. Sometimes you'd say, oh, who is that? Oh, that's the head coach of Fairleigh Dickinson. Oh, that's the head coach of Ryder. Oh, that's the, that's the DePaul assistant coach or head of basketball operations at, you know, Central Connecticut. It was always some random coach up there that Brad had invited. And of course they accepted it. Yeah. yeah, I think I ran into like every NESCAC head coach. <laughs> oh yeah, of the big time. Program. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a, I think that's a fair pick. Yeah, I, I mostly because I think there's a very, very reasonable chance that that's what happens is that we just like that we don't know who the Celtics' next coach is going to be. For my next pick, I am going to go with Nate McMillan. I think. I mean, it's hard though to parse like Brad's gushing and whether it's like genuine or whether it's just Brad like being Brad because he has said so many nice things about so many players and unfortunately with coaching he doesn't have like uh oh well he's a joke like with players you know like oh Brad actually likes this guy because he'll be like that guy's a joke or like trying to defend him as a joke but like we don't have that for coaching so he just offers a lot of generic praise and sometimes the only way to measure it is by like okay how long did Brad talk about how much he <laughs> likes this coach like how like the length of his response so he has given lengthy answers about Nate McMillan and I think Nate McMillan did a great job with the Pacers people were kind of surprised by that firing and clearly has done a good job with turning the Hawks season around I think he would be in good position to be a candidate for this job whether he wants to, I mean Atlanta has an intriguing situation with Trey Young and their young team I mean clearly they're having some playoff success so it'll be interesting to see I mean I guess just generally speaking I will be curious about we all assume it's a 
a great job. And like, objectively, I think it is a great job, but I, I am intrigued to see like what situations people will leave to come like Nate McMillan, Carol Lawson, things like that. But anyway, my pick is Nate McMillan. Yeah, I hesitated to pick Nate. I, I, I actually thought about picking Nate McMillan with my number three pick, but then I, I, I do hesitate with it because I'm not sure he has any interest in leaving. And I'm not sure that that Atlanta team is, you know, yeah, like the Celtics are, are a great franchise and everything. Um, and also the Hawks are just kind of kicking everyone's ass right now. So um, and, and like all of their players are like 17 years old. So yeah, I, I don't know that I would be in, in a huge hurry to leave that Atlanta situation. But Nate, you know, would be super high on my list. He moves lower and lower down my list each day that the Hawks surprise more people. Nate McMillan was higher on my list yesterday than he was tonight. We're recording on Sunday night. And after they just kicked the Sixers ass, well, it was a closer game toward the end than it really was. But I don't know. I think he'd be a great option, but I don't think he's going to he's gonna want to leave. That, that being said, I think he would be a great choice for the Celtics. So my pick here, I'm going to go with Becky Hammond. She's been a top assistant for a bit now in Greg Popovich's system. I just think anyone who runs through Popovich's system for that long and finds that much success there is kind of a no-brainer to be toward the top of the discussion. I think a guy like Ime Udoka is very similar. He was in San Antonio for a little while, and he did great things there in, in Popovich's system and, again, finds himself in the mix of seemingly every opening and the discussions around that opening. So I think Becky Hammond would be a tremendous hire. I think she would be a really good hire anywhere. And I just think, again, Brad has given lots of generic praise toward Becky Hammond. It's tough to determine what's real and what's not, but I think she needs to be in the discussion because it's getting to a point where it seems like she's been a head coaching option for too long. At some point, she needs to become a head coach. I think that's all reasonable. All right. So with my next pick, I'm going to take, um, I'm going to go a little bit, I, I guess a name that I haven't seen floated around a lot. Um, I'm actually going to go Kenny Atkinson. The, my, my problem with this pick is that I feel like Kenny Atkinson is a very similar pick to Brad Stevens, where you're getting like a guy who does like a ton of homework and is like, you know, like a, a very good coach who's gotten his teams to overachieve uh, really well. Like, I think there's some, some similarity there, but like overachieving is a good thing. You know, maybe, maybe a fresh voice, you know, a fresh set of eyes and, and, and kind of a, an overachieving type coach. Cause, cause he didn't get a chance to coach this super team. All he got a chance to coach were like, you know, the, the Brooklyn teams that were kind of uh real tryhards, but he got them to try really hard. So I would be curious to see what he, if, you know, if maybe he could do, you know, some, some really cool things with, uh, with, with a team with some superstar talent. So I'll, I'll take him with, with my next pick, even though I really don't think that he's going to be the selection. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be the selection either, but I feel like his name would pop up a little bit more than it has. That's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that's a little bit odd, but I do agree. I don't think he's going to get the job, but I do think he should be in the discussion. Yeah. With my second pick, I'm going to take, I'm going to take a guy. I don't really know anything about him other than just like, I see his name floated up around uh, a lot as a guy who is supposed to be a very good candidate. I'll take David Vanterpool, um, assistant from Minnesota, supposed to be like really, really smart defensively. Yeah. Just kind of, kind of a rising star. I'll go with him. I genuinely can't say I know much about him, except that I've only ever heard really good things. Vanterpool is definitely a good candidate, I think, here, because his he's a really defensive-minded coach, and he kind of that aligns with Brad Stevens and the way Brad Stevens approaches coaching. So I think Vanderpool is a really good option here. I also think he's the epitome of someone who is just in every yeah. single discussion regarding a head coaching option, but never ultimately gets the job. I think there was a lot of people who were pissed when Nate Bjorkman got the job, however you say his name, got the job in Indiana, and people clearly thought that Vanterpool should have gotten it. People also thought Vanterpool should have gotten the job in Minnesota, just got promoted, but they went with Chris Finch. 
So at some point, he's got to get a job here. And I do think that his coaching approach aligns pretty well with Brad Stevens. So I think that would make a lot of sense. And then my last pick, I'm going to go with Ime Udoka, who is another person who kind of rose through Popovich's rankings and then was in Philadelphia for a year. And now he's on Steve Nash's staff in Brooklyn. He's got a unique background because he's got pretty extensive assistant coaching experience, but he was also a player bounced around professional ranks for quite some time. I just think he's another guy who probably has enough coaching experience at this point alone to jump in and be a head coach, but he's also got the playing experience that makes his background, you know, pretty nice and versatile. So I think Udoka is definitely going to be in the conversation as he should. And I think he'll probably be in the conversation for jobs like Portland and some of the other potential openings, maybe Orlando, but I'll take Udoka with my last pick. It's a good one. I wanted to take Vanderpool with my last pick, but instead, I mean, I guess I'll take Juwan Howard. At this point, we're all just sort of circulating through the same names that are on all the lists, but he also has been linked to the Blazers job, and I think he wanted to sort of catch on with an NBA staff, but when your alma mater comes calling with a head coaching job, why not go for it? And so I feel like we've only heard good things about him. Yeah, I think Juwan Howard's a really good option. I think he's the best out of any college option on the market. I mean, he's someone who's been a really successful college coach in a short amount of time that also has extensive experience on an NBA staff and he was a successful player in the NBA. So there's a lot going on there that leads me to believe that he's going to be an NBA head coach at some point in the future. I just don't know if that comes right now. Maybe he wants to stick it out in Michigan for a couple more years for similar reasons that we think Carol Lawson might want to stick it out at Duke. He wants to stick with some of the recruiting classes that he's brought in in his first couple of years, and and he wants to stick there. But uh, one of the other names that I was considering picking is Darvin Ham is another interesting one. He's been working with Mike Budenholzer for quite some time. He was in Atlanta and now Milwaukee with him. And I just think his his reputation has continuously risen throughout the coaching ranks and and he's probably gonna be in the discussion at some point here too I mean that being said like similar to the sort of catch-all like could be nobody we're expecting like Steve Nash had literally zero experience and the Nets were like yes like you are our guy and it seems to be working out just fine so all this experience and all of these like connections really could end up not meaning anything but we'll see the difference being that uh, Steve Nash was hired because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving wanted him. And it's very, very hard to uh, um, imagine Jason Tatum coming in and being like, you will hire. Um, and I also have no idea who that would be. You so. will hire Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> no, Coach Jeff- K. That's why Coach K retired. <laughs> I was going to say Jeff Capel. I was wondering if like he would be sure. a, a Capel guy. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, I think we can leave it there. Thank you all for listening. Uh, As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you know where to find us. And we will talk to you all again later this week.